the episode of The Nanny that we discuss here does feature some transphobia and fatphobia, and we'll be discussing that within the episode. So just wanted to give you a heads up on that. And welcome to Out on Her Fanny. A podcast about the nanny. I'm Ben. I'm Mandy. And we have entered the first big heat wave of the LA summer. Yeah, it's 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 hot. Sticky. And I'm pretty much I never feel heat. I am a Florida Mandy. But it is, it is hot. It's too hot. I, I'm not built for heat at all. You can probably tell from my accent. I come from a country who our main thing is like, it's going to rain any minute now. And be bad and cold and wet forever. But instead, I'm here in LA. This is a choice that I made uh, a decade and a half ago to move here because I thought life will be better. And I think on balance it is because I don't think I would have had a Mandy in my life uh, if I'd stayed in England. I think that's a key component. But I also, I think if I had stayed in England, I probably wouldn't have melted I don't know how you. What's uh? How how hot does it get in Florida in the summer again? Uh, I mean it it, it gets very hot and it feels hotter because uh, the humidity really traps the heat yeah. in, so there is no escape from the heat. Whereas California, in theory, if you're in shade somewhere, it's not going to be as hot. But I was actually talking with somebody. Uh, this is fascinating talk about the weather. This this is really oh, yeah. what people come here for. Yeah, we're, we're the, we are now the official podcast of the Weather Channel. Yeah, out on her fanny where you talk about how sweaty your butt is. <laughs> uh, what's actually this podcast? Well, we watched the 90s sitcom The Nanny uh, starring Fran Drescher. And then we talk about the 90s sitcom The Nanny starring uh, Fran Drescher. Oh, that's a, that's a nice coincidence. Yeah, it's funny. It's good. <laughs> we it's... watch it and don't talk about Frasier instead. We, yeah, I was thinking we could talk about Frasier. I mean, technically we did. We watched an episode of The Nanny and then we talked about the weather. Um, yeah. So that's great. What uh, episode of The Nanny did we talk about? Yeah, this is season two, episode 14. I've got a secret. Now, if you're watching it on HBO Max, HBO Max has things in a different order. We think it might be production order, but uh, where is that on HBO Max if people want to watch at home? Oh, God, I've... Where the fuck is this? <laughs> Are you not finding it? Okay. Oh, so on HBO Max, it's going to be season two, episode 12. There's still quite a gap. We're still, I think, two episodes ahead of HMOs. Do you think it is just because of those two episodes from season two that got appended to the end of season one? Uh, probably. Which, if that's the case, then we're never going to sink we're back up. We're never going to sink back up. Maybe at the beginning of season three? Maybe. Maybe. It depends on whether some season three episodes become season two episodes. Yeah, I imagine like toward the end, because they have like some big event episodes mm. as season finale. So I imagine like there'll be like season finale season openers that will actually be be synced up maybe maybe one would hope but uh we'll cross that bridge when we come to it in the meantime uh shall we talk about the episode in question yeah all right hey so the mummy is on TV. Like, I think it's the one of the, like, Boris Karloff, like, Universal Studios mummy movies. Yes. And all of Chester Meffield's children are watching the mummy and they are kind of judging it. They're like, this isn't scary at all. Uh, and they're just talking about how, like, they're, they're tougher than this movie. Almost Fran talk about be scary. And then Fran comes up behind them and scares all of them. I used to love doing that to mom. <laughs> Thank God for plastic slipcovers. My favorite thing is that she had the, the room is dark. The lights have been dimmed. She has a flashlight under her chin, like trying to illuminate her face. And that does not get seen by the kids at all. Because the minute they scream and turn around, she's already pulled it down. My other favorite thing is the film they're watching. The video appears to be the mummy. The audio has very clearly been redone by someone in the sound department because it's very, it's very. These are synth strings. This is not. <laughs> it's not real. Like they did not really get the rights. Did did they? Did, 
how did how do you get the rights to license the video and it's like well if you want audio it's going to cost you extra well i imagine because they're only using like a second or two of Mm. visuals that they probably that goes ahead and i believe the audio they kind of have playing while the kids are just being shown so they have to make that because they're using that audio longer yeah but why wouldn't you just license that audio like i think about because that's money i mean there is that there is money in this show this is a show that is still being shot on video this is it's one of those things where i think about the this is gonna this is not gonna shock anyone who listens regularly i think about the 1996 doctor who tv movie that was made by the bbc and universal for fox tv and how the scene where the seventh doctor regenerates into the eighth the guy in the morgue who's being played by Will Sasso is just watching Frankenstein on TV. And I guess it's easier to license Frankenstein when the thing is being made by Universal and Universal owns Frankenstein. Sony, who I, I, I Sony have the distribution rights, I don't know if they were involved in production at the time. They probably have a harder time licensing the mummy yeah. look and sound. I mean, that, that also invites a, a question of the original TV broadcast, was it, did they happen to have the audio tracks? Because that would have been like CBS making it. Were mm. they able to get it? And maybe it's something of like, we are watching it on uh, DVD. And there's a lot of shows where they end up not getting. Yeah. Like the, uh, the, the I Love Lucy segment that we talked about in the last episode that you mentioned was cut from rebroadcasts and DVDs, which I think we're going to come back to in this episode because it does kind of come up. But uh, they're talking about old scary movies and... Oh, Pizza Comes. Pizza Comes. And there's a little bit about like, oh, you get a drink for free. You get a free beverage and you can pour... She just pours the grease out of the corner of the box into a glass. And uh, a nice little bit of Fran being like, oh, I'm only going to have one slice. And Maggie does the same because they're women and they have to be dieting. But Fran sticks two slices of pizza on top of each other because it's, ha ha, Fran eats too much food. And yet is we're going to make jokes about how... She eats too much food and should be overweight, but she is very thin and clearly is someone who diets a lot. I only want one slice. Me too. Pizza is very fattening. Fran, that's two. No, honey, not when you eat it like this. The body doesn't know. (laughs) They're still talking about horror movies when there's a knock at the door. Because I think it was, uh, is it Niles who makes the comment of Hitchcock said that there's nothing scarier than an unanswered door. And then there's a knock at the door and they open the door and it's the invisible man. It's someone with uh, bandages all over their face. They're wearing a trench coat. They're wearing big Ray-Bans. They're wearing a, uh, was it a fedora? Some kind yeah. of hat. And it is... Um, a trilby. It's a tril- trilbo. Then they just come in, they m'lady everyone, and then they hike it up the stairs. To, to start posting on Reddit. Uh, and uh, Max was like, yeah, we've got a house guest. It's a, it's a house guest. They're, yeah. they're recovering from surgery. Chester Muffield is way too chill about this. And Fran is like, who, who is this? And she comes to the realization that like oh this must be like a celebrity that's try that is recovering from plastic surgery and they're staying away from the paparazzos by staying with Chester Meffield. There's a lot of things that Chester Meffield says to Fran in this moment that stoke the fire of her curiosity. He could have this whole episode could have been avoided if he'd just been like it's just it's a friend. They're recovering from surgery. They're going to leave in a few days. He's the one who's like, yeah, it's a celebrity. Yes, it's a famous woman. Yes, she doesn't want to be hounded by the press. And if he'd just been like, it's just a friend who's recovering from surgery, it's fine. He is the one who put the idea of it's a famous person, don't go snooping around, into Fran's head. And so I think a big part of this is he he's responsible. Yeah, he does kind of lord it over her yeah. that he's not going to tell her who it is. Um, I, get, I guess we get to put another quarter in the Maxwell Sheffield is a bad, bad person piggy bank. Yeah. Uh, uh, the piggy bank's getting real full. But that's going to go towards paying for our honeymoon. So listen, we're going to have a lot of money. <laughs> it's going to be great. Let's go to Japan. So uh, it's the next morning. I'm trying to remember what the next scene is. Uh, the next scene is, so Fran is determined she is going to find out who this is. This is the, the plot of the whole episode is Fran trying to figure out who is staying in the Chester Meffield house, in Maxwell house. So she goes into uh, Chester Meffield's office and she's going to snoop. But who is there? But Cece Boobcock. <laughs> yes, we are just going to call her Cece Boobcock yeah. from now on, except for the times that we forget. Fran is ostensibly going in under the pretense of, well, let's just have some girl talk. But Cece makes it very clear that she knows Fran is trying to get 
the information of who's in the in the, the guest room. I was going to say the spare room. Like Maxwell, Maxwell's not rich enough for a guest room. He has a spare room. <laughs> He's stuck in the wine cellar. It's, yeah, it's like a, it's it's all dusty wine wine bottles and boxes and one fold out mattress. Yeah, it's just killing you, isn't it? That Maxwell and I have little secrets that you know nothing about. <laughs> he didn't tell you either. <laughs> No, that tight-lipped little sconehead. So Cece and Fran uh, then come together, and they are going to raid Chester Mayfield's office and want to find things. And I love any situation where Cece and Fran actually come together and they agree on something, and they're teammates. Yeah, and the, like the pretext of this is, I can't believe Maxwell doesn't trust women. I can't believe he doesn't think that we're going to like. We thinks we're just gossips. He thinks that all we're interested in is idle gossip. And there is a scene in the kitchen where Maxwell is kind of ranting and raving about how gossipy women are. Uh, that's the pretext. Pretext of this. In- pretext is that the word i'm looking for that the uh the context maybe yeah it's some kind of text it's sub it's super text it's just (laughs) it's printed in large bold font on the screen anytime women are doing they just have in the background like chester meffield does not trust women there's a little animated gif of tim and eric in the corner just doing little dances with a scrolling uh like a ticker display that just says women can't be trusted and that's what the show's about Uh uh-huh uh-huh uh, I don't know why I decided it's Tim and Eric, but it feels it feels like a Tim, Tim and Eric thing. Um, so they're they're working together. Friend pulls out a hairpin to start picking the lock on the uh, on on the filing cabinet, which she does successfully, and she starts rummaging through that. Cece find laptop. Cece open laptop. Which it is. I do need to pause just to talk. I know it's the nineties and this lap like because at first she's like, oh, I found the black box. So she's just holding this very thick box. It is I like li- a briefcase. Yeah, I thought it was like a like oh he has an additional like lock safe where it's like there's money there. Yeah. It's like oh why would you look there when he has a separate like a file cabinet safe? But no, it is a it is a chunky laptop. I think that was the brand was chunky. <laughs> um, My chunky sixty seven. So she tries hacking the mainframe to figure out the password, and Maxwell sneaks up behind her. And uh, she has been caught red-handed. Uh, when Maxwell walks in, Fran immediately hops up on top of the filing cabinet um, to make it seem like she's not actually doing anything. She's just watching Cece breaking the law, breaking the law. Yeah, and just Cece is getting all in. She has no awareness that Chester Mayfield's right behind her. No, no, it's all right. I do this all the time. <laughs> How do you think I know where he is every minute of the day? Now, what was his password? Busted. No, Maxwell would never. Ooh. Ooh, Maxwell. Yeah, it is just a delightful scene. Maxwell catches Cece. Cece runs out. Her face. She I says she give... was looking for the forgiven file. Yeah, like one. There's like this delightful bit where like she's. Uh, shocked but it is also her like the actress but like yeah. oh yeah this is a very funny bit like you can almost kind of see that in her face this is kind of this is lauren lane's scene like this is kind of her this is it i think for her in the episode i don't think she's in it much after this yeah she doesn't do anything else but she does like she's it's just so it's a great physical bit there's even at the very end so she's like oh i'm just i'm just gonna go then and then she leaves and chester Matfield's like uh, no, you're not leaving to go into the spare room and you just see her run the other way. <laughs> it's it's so good. And then Chester Mayfield and Fran have a little moment where Fran uh, feigns innocence and says, well, I can't believe you don't trust me. She is, uh, so when she uh, came in, she had like hopped on things. So she's yes. just sitting on the ca- filing cabinet and just trying to be as casual as possible, holding the pin that she broke into it with. She pretends to pick at her teeth with it, which is not what you wanted. That feels, I can imagine how gross that feels. Yeah. No, thank you. And then she talks about how I can't believe you don't trust me. How dare you? And she storms out while... And I'm going to set this up because she's wearing this kind of red leather uh, miniskirt with like red, the red tassels, not really tassels, but like the leather has been cut in like these, these kind of uh, rectangular strips with a bead at the end. Mm-hmm. And I remember seeing that and thinking, oh, that's quite nice. I'd wear that. Yeah, it has a very decorative yeah, hem. But those be- one of those beads gets stuck in the drawer when she had slammed it shut. So when she leaves, she pulls the filing cabinet out behind her. Listener, I cackled. Yeah, it's so good. It's Chekhov's skirt. <laughs> Uh, just that's, like that's our episode title. I'm sorry, that's it. <laughs> just the detail and costuming of we need to give her something. We want 
uh, we want to do this scene where, oh, she gets her skirt caught in the filing cabinet and drags it away. We need to make sure that she is wearing a specific kind of skirt because typically the kinds of things that she's wearing, little mini skirts, it wouldn't necessarily work. I mean, it, she could get it stuck on there, but you would be difficult for that to happen without it hiking up and showing yeah. your butt. And so the thing that you would do is that you need a fringe. You need some kind of like tassel on it. So it is so yeah. very excellent. It is a great piece of wardrobe reading the script and going, okay, this is what we need. Because otherwise when she hops up, it's just going to tear off her mini skirt. We need something that can get caught. And here's the thing, even if that was done in the edit and they have a hop down and then they cut, open the drawer, put the thing, here's the thing, doesn't matter because it works visually, as a visual gag, it is so good. And it gets called called back later when Chester Miffield uh, says one, he, he knows he can't trust Fran because she was at the head of a conga line with the filing cabinet. That was such a great line. Um, we get a little bit of B story, uh, which is that Brian's got parrot. Brighton's got a parrot, and there's an implication that um, him getting a pet, the implication is that him getting a pet is its own kind of horror story, because he always kills every pet that he's ever had. What? I'm good with animals. Well, let's see. There were the goldfish, the hamsters, the white mice, the turtle. Our backyard is practically a pet boot hill. (laughs) Yeah, and the pet is one of his schoolmates, who's also a friend slash business colleague of Chester Murfield's. And the parrot is apparently stitching up the dad because he's been uh, uh, he doing like, the horizontal hokey cokey with the uh, with the housemaid. Not the not the parrot. The dad has been the, doing the, that. Yes, sorry. I want to stress that the parrot is not engaged in any kind of illicit love affair. It is the boy's dad. So the, they're getting rid of the parrot because the parrot keeps saying this. Fr- keeps saying like Joni loves Chachi or whatever it is. <laughs> and Joni's the dad and Chachi's the housemaid. So it's just get the parrot out of the house so there's no incriminating evidence. And everyone else is like, oh man, that parrot is going to die. Like it is the 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 tenor in that kitchen when he brings in the kit when he brings in the parrot is so I guess we are having a funeral within the next few days. We're gonna say goodbye to a pet pet. We're not gonna name no names. No names. We're not getting attacked. Yeah, and this is kind of the B plot, but they honestly they don't do a lot with it. It is not about Brighton learning to have a pet. You get a couple scenes of him trying to teach the parrot to say other things, mostly things to mock Maggie with. But that is it. We do. It is important. Speaking of Chekhov, we now have a Chekhov's parrot. Chekhov's parrot in a miniskirt. Like, pay attention when you introduce a parrot in the first act. Wonder what it's going to do in the if third act. If you introduce act. a parrot in the first act, it's got to go off in the third. <laughs> you got to give it a cracker in the third act. Yeah. And that, that does kind of happen, funnily enough. So Fran is still desperately trying to figure out who is in the guest room. Yeah, she tries to bug Niles about it because Niles is preparing a drink for the guest. Niles, that's what you're serving to a celebrity for lunch? Give her a sandwich. This is a sandwich. You have a, we have, we, we did, I, put, I got out the magic bullet and I put the sandwich, I put the bread, I put the mayonnaise, I put the ham, I put the pickle, I put the uh, lime in the coconut and then I, I put it all in the blender and now it's, now it, it's a sad jumbo juice. Now it's, it's Augustus gloop. It's, it's some Augustus gloop. And so I'm going to feed this to the celebrity and Fran's like, you can't, you can't give that to a celebrity. Yeah. Niles is very disgusted by this and so Fran is trying to wheeze her away in of like, I'll, I'll just do it. I'm used to people being gross. But Niles sees what she's doing. And I was like, no, absolutely not. And then Fran tries to get Niles on her side and be like, it's so it's so cruel that uh, Chester Murfield doesn't trust us. And it is class solidarity for you to also be sneaky with me. And Niles is like, no, I am a class traitor because uh, Chester Murfield already told me who it is. Sees the celebrity guest of production, and uh, yeah, he's he's like, yeah, I already know, I don't care. It's I, I have that information. Who do you think's holding the straw? So this is our act break, and when we come back, Fran has used the biggest, fakest credit cards to jimmy her way into the guest room, and we have the Invisible Man lying on the bed, who's asleep. Fran walks in, she tiptoes in. Don't be suspicious, don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious, don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious, don't be suspicious. She's just basically frisking the celebrity guest at this point. 
uh, in a way. Actually, you know what I'm realizing? I don't think the word celebrity guest have ever been more apt in a show. Yeah, like I do love out of this because I've had celebrity guests and part of it, they mention celebrity guests because she's trying to figure out who it is. She mentions celebrity guests that have been on mm, the yes. show. And there's at one point that actually will be coming in a minute uh, where she mentions Rita Moreno, yep. who is played her gym teacher, but in this universe, Rita Moreno also exists as Rita Moreno, but there is also a lookalike- A gym teacher who just looks exactly like Rita Moreno that no one has ever- You know, you look just like Rita Moreno, shut up and give me 50. Like, that's not happening. They're playing into the idea of like, well, we have celebrity guests, so who's it gonna be? Who's it gonna be? Nobody. And it's like the two times they've had Barbara Streisand on, and it was not Barbara Streisand. Actually, that's an interesting question that I think we should come back to later. So Fran is uh, giving the uh, celebrity guests, while they're asleep in their bed, she's giving them a TSA full body pat down. As you're too short to be this one celebrity, you ain't got no tits, Lieutenant Dan, so you're not Dolly Parton. Wants to look inside of her mouth, because I guess Fran has like... Is there a wiki feat for open mouths that Fran is like an admin of? Because like, <laughs> I need to see the inside of this mouth because then I'll know. Then I'll know. And then she sticks a finger in and the celebrity guest invisible man person covered in bandages starts sucking on her finger, which is definitely somebody something. I mean, it's a lot of people's somethings. As Fran points out, mm. and I assume that you will put the little clip in there. Oh, yeah. Oh, honey, what were you worried about your looks for? <laughs> yeah, I mean, just the finger going in the mouth, like, that is that is a gift that if we posted it on the uh, Out on Fanny Tumblr that I can't remember whether we have or not, that's going to end up oh, on well, a... Well, we do. It's just, it's not out on her fanny. No. It's Fran Drescher Ahigal. <laughs> I think if we post it there, it's going to find a different side of Tumblr. <laughs> it's going to, it's going to be, it's it, that's where it's going to go, and we just have to accept that. So we have to post it because that's how we do numbers. That's how we get people listening. To, we get like, you know, I'm going to do a Tumblr blaze. <laughs> <laughs> just that gift. Not even going to link yeah, to the perfect. podcast. Absolutely. Maxwell walks in. Oh, well, f- there's this. There's the thing with Gracie. Yeah. So first, Gracie comes in. Honey, what did I tell you about snooping? That there should always be a lookout. Good, go wait in the hall. Right. So Gracie goes to go be a lookout, but apparently not a very good one because then Chester Redfield comes in. I forgot a good Gracie bit earlier when they were talking about horror movies. It was a very relatable moment because Fran was like, oh, isn't this movie too scary for you? And Gracie's like, no, I'm frightened by watching 60 Minutes. And that's the type of child I was. Like, it, was <laughs> it wasn't 60 Minutes. It was 2020. But I literally every Friday night I watched 2020. And that is why I have a panic disorder. Perfect. Amazing. Stupendous. Where was I going with this? Yeah. Anyway, Chester Raphael walks in on Fran getting sucked. Fran, Fran getting fully suctioned by the celebrity guest. Fran tries to pass it off like she was trying to take the temperature with her finger, as one does. You know, that's how you do it. You put your finger in, you put it out, 104. Okay, maybe she's running a little hot. I'll check back in an hour. Uh, Maxwell takes her out of the bedroom, as opposed to taking her into the bedroom, which happens around season five or six. And he uh, chastises her and he can't believe that she's done this. And what about privacy? And what about trust? And Fran kicks up a sting. He's like, there's none of this would have happened if you just told me. And then the guest stands in the doorway and says their name. Cher. <laughs> Heidi Thompson. It is Heidi Thompson. <laughs> it is Heidi Thompson, who I don't know. I'm looking up who Heidi Thompson is right now. That's not the celebrity guest. The celebrity guest is Cher. But... They did not get share. They did not get share. No. Um, and I think you, I feel like if you get share, you show Cher's face. And we never see her face at any point during this episode. No. But a fun fact that I learned about actually Heidi Thompson, I guess that is her whole deal is being a Cher impersonator to the point that she was featured in an episode of Trading Spaces where uh, she traded spaces with an Elvis impersonator. Huh. Was she any good as an Elvis impersonator? No, they were trading hall like homes. Oh. They were redecorating each other's homes. Oh well, that's a weird. So she redecorated. Oh, it's, the it's it's a uh, house swap, but it's wife swap. But you also swap houses and decorate each other's houses. Have you not seen Trading Spaces before? I'd never heard of it until oh. now. Uh, Trading Spaces was phenomenal. They tried to do a reboot of it, but it was. They would typically it would be like neighbors or friends mm. where they would redecorate rooms of each other. So each of the people they would be paired with training spaces had like this group of um, interior designers that they would get matched with. And one of them 
was unhinged. Mm. One of them uh, decided, oh, they need something beachy. We're going to fill this entire room with sand. Oh, no. So it'll be beachy. Oh, no. And they would just staple random shit to people's or, like, destroy people's homes. Oh, my God. It was phenomenal. Why would you it let someone into your house nightmares. and do that? Oh, my God. So, all right. So, I get, yeah. So, this is not really Cher, but within the fiction of uh, Gracie's WandaVision situation, this is Cher, I guess. Yeah. And they mostly have Cher for the sake of a pun where Fran is like, you need to tell me who it is. And then Cher says... Share and Fran was like, Yeah, he, he's, you're right, he should share. Share. I know, don't tell me. Talk to him. I give and give. Just over and over yeah, and that, over and over again. That joke definitely gets uh, hammered into the wall six or seven or eight or nine or ten or twelve times. Um, and then Share finally goes over and is like, Explain, like, uh, trying to explain, like, no, I mean, share the person share the me not share the verb by saying like i've got a grammy i've got an oscar i've got an emmy and that's when fran is like oh it's rita moreno she's like no she's already been here (laughs) she's been in this show she played your gym teacher and then fran says don't say that too loudly or gracie will hear you and you'll get sent to the cornfield that that does make sense of why rita moreno exists but R- rita moreno had tried to help fran mm. um how many people but then tried... she got put in and now she's a gym teacher how many people tried to help fran and were punished for it yeah i wonder if like share did exist in the universe like maybe share was like the pharmacist or something mm. but then share got out and now that's why they have this replacement share so now the secret is out and fran knows exactly who is staying in the house and can she keep it to herself no no and chester meffield is immediately complaining and be like there's no way you're gonna be able to able to keep this secret and fran's like who would i who would i tell uh, and then who walks through the door? It's Val. And Fran panics because she knows that she was full of shit. She knows Chester Matthew was right and she is going to spill the beans. And then she does. Unser- she keeps saying very innocuous things. But Just she- feature the word share. So can I have a soda too? Well, there's only one left. We'll have to share. And in a rare moment of lucidity for Val, Val picks up on this. Here's the thing. If you know it's share and you see the responses that that, a friend is giving, you might go, okay, all right, I think this is share. I I get what you're doing. You need to stop. But they're just regular words until the very end where she references a share song. And that's the point that Val gets it um, before just innocuous things. But then Fran makes a face. And I was like, why are you making this face? Everything in this episode so far has felt very, very I Love Lucy. Like, the writers have gone all in on making this I Love Lucy for the 90s. To the point where when paparazzi show up at the house and are surrounding three sides of it and also the second floor balcony, because Val has obviously told someone and that person has gone to the press. So now, now there's all these paparazzi. So we get this wonderful moment of Maxwell standing at the foot of the stairs doing the... Miss Fine, you've got some splaining to do! Here's a question for you. Do you feel like the show just doing I Love Lucy and just being I Love Lucy is too on the nose? Or did this feel like a fun, like... It's been a slow build up to this point throughout the episode and this is kind of the the eruption. Yeah, I'm I'm cool with them doing I Love Lucy because it's it's kind of baked into it from yeah. the beginning and I feel like that's also something when particularly if you're doing a celebrity guest episode and I mean this isn't really a celebrity guest episode but it, it the entire function is about the idea of celebrity guest episodes you kind of it makes sense to reference I Love Lucy. That's fair. Yeah, that's fair. I enjoyed it. I thought it was a fun moment. It made me laugh. Like, I feel like it adds to it. And it's also something where you don't need to know I Love Lucy. Like, that's the thing. Yeah. If you just do referential humor and be like, it doesn't work if you are required to know it. Like, the only bit is, I know where that's from. You don't need to know where I Love Lucy is from. Like, yeah, they are cribbing on one comedy from another comedy. But it's 
good comedy and it lasts. Yeah, it's really solid stuff. Uh, again, it was another moment that made me cackle. And then you have uh, Val and Fran in Chester Meffield's office about to be chastised. And they're playing the whole thing like they are kids in high school uh, going to the principal's office. Which I love as just like a little dynamic of knowing about like their past and the fact that they have been friends for so long that this is the most familiar thing to them of like, oh, remember when we were teens and getting in trouble with the principal? Yeah, and it's a fun little moment. Even Maxwell's kind of playing into it where he's talking about, you know, that that attitude doesn't work in this office, little miss. And uh, it's just it was just a fun moment. Val reveals that she told her priest. Was he wearing his collar? <gasps> no. Val, how many times do I have to tell you when they don't wear their collar, it's like they got their fingers crossed behind their back. So uh, Fran has a pitch to fix this entire situation. And the fix is, what if we get my cousin Ira who previously in the episode we described as an amazing Cher impersonator, to put on a show for the paparazzi. And then Cher slips out the back door when everyone's distracted by the the, uh, amazing talents of Cousin Ira. And Maxwell says yes. He somehow agrees uh, to this uh, whole scheme. Do you know what's wild? There's only one source for the uh, Cher staying at some guy's house story. And the paparazzi are all there. Did they not do any kind of verification? Um, I mean, I feel like the verification is show up and find out. Yeah, which they did, I guess. And they all came in. They all come into Maxwell's house. Maxwell says to the paparazzi and says, uh, Cher has agreed to do this one photo shoot in the hopes that you'll, you will leave her alone, which does Max Maxwell does not know how the paparazzi work. My dude, that is, that is entirely not how the paparazzi function. No. What you've done is you've confirmed hearsay. Fran asks Gracie because Gracie comes down the stairs and was like, oh, is cousin Ira ready? Gracie was like, there's a man wearing a dress. And uh, Fran was like, I will explain to you gender later. That was was this moment. I said this out loud. That was a lot better than it could have been. And And then then um, I was cursed for my hubris. In fairness, Chester Meffield says a line and the... What we would say today, and I will give the show credit of the terminology that they use is outdated terminology and now is considered more offensive terminology. But the point that he is making is before he met Fran, he never had use for an emergency drag queen. But because it is in the 90s and because we conflate drag queens with transgender people, which I am assuming I am going to I am going to give the show the benefit of the doubt that because they are calling this person cousin ira the entire time that this is a drag performer this is not a trans person that they are just dead naming the entire time i'm going to at least give the show that because they give no implication that like oh no uh your cousin actually lives by something entirely different and fran is just being horrible it just it literally seems like this is a drag performer but they use different terminology in the 90s. Yeah, they use a different word, which, uh, again, as you pointed out, was, was uh, I think, more acceptable in 1994 and is utterly unacceptable now. And this, this begins our downward decline towards this show just going all in on being fully transphobic, fully fatphobic. Yeah, because then um, Cousin Ira comes down dressed as Cher. The actor who they have playing Cousin Ira is named Marvin Nathan and is an actual, like, Cher impersonator. Is yeah. like, that is what he does. And the internet is giving him he, him pronouns and he goes by Marvin, so I will also continue to do that. But is an actual performer. But Marvin is... A larger person. He is a big guy. And so the joke is, oh, all the paparazzi were expecting share and they get a fat man. This is the point where Chester Meffield uh, makes some very fat phobic jokes. Yeah. And then the show also does some fat phobia um, and some transphobia when, uh, during the end credits, Cousin Ira is trying to flag down a taxi and every taxi flags down, stops, sees Cousin Ira and then takes off again. That's your end credits joke. Like, that is that's that is the joke that the writers of this show thought would be the best way to end the, sh- the show in 1994. Yeah, and it's 
it's such a weird thing, especially learning that, like, this is an actual performer who does in a share impersonation. Like, you, uh, credit to the show for actually getting a drag queen, actually getting someone uh, to perform, but it's it's purely so that they can be like, ha ha, you're you not share and uh, doing it in not great ways. Yeah, it's not great, and it's another example of, because everything up until, everything up until these closing couple of minutes has been really enjoyable. And it's not even the first time we've had that on the show where it's been a really good show up until it does something deeply offensive in the last 90 seconds. Yeah, and it's such a difficult thing because I I want to give some amount of credit toward like uh, the earlier bit where they they say a line where it's like, oh, this uses some outdated terminology, but I get where you're going for and it's not... You're heart's in the right place and it's a legit joke that isn't necessarily uh, uh, being horrible people but then you just like you pile it on afterwards like this is a lot maybe don't maybe don't I don't even know like what the response like because there is like some amount of like if you are a drag performer I feel like to some extent you are you're caricaturizing a person if you are a drag impersonator you're doing a caricature you're not doing a one for one uh, mimic of a person so there is still a way to do that like you still could have had like oh this is clearly a drag performance this is not share but it is the hammering down of like look how fat this person is look how not a cis woman this person is it's hard to watch like it really the way that the show kind of the joke is someone who is not conforming to uh gender norms exists yeah like a drag performance to some extent is lampshading gender and like what are concepts of gender are um it's playing with gender yeah yeah when you add that fat phobia to it you are just laughing and mocking a person and because like body shapes and like sizes in particular like larger and fat bodies are so intrinsically linked with how someone conforms to gender that's what makes it a lot meaner yeah um in my sense and granted i am i am a cis woman so i i am spe- i might be speaking out of term like oh yeah some of this is okay until they do that part i'm also a thin woman so i should i should state my things like i am not i am not the person being mocked here but knowing what i know about drag it is until they get to that point where it's like, oh, this goes from being like, oh, well, it's the '90s, but you're mostly okay. You're mostly okay. Your heart's in the right place. To now, nah, you're just mocking a person. Yeah, and it really is. It's an unnecessary and unwarranted cruelty uh, that really just kind of comes out of left field again. Like the last couple of minutes of the episode, because everything up until now has been. I mean, I think you could possibly make an argument that maybe Fran shouldn't be sticking a finger inside Cher's mouth. But everything up until this point has been, you know, it's been sitcom heedly hee has Yeah, and even they talk about, so like Cousin Ira again gets mentioned earlier on, and it's all it's all good from that point. Like, you know who would just die if they found out Cher was here? My Cousin Ira is her biggest fan. He does an impersonation of her in a drop-dead gorgeous Bob Mackie gown. I'll tell you why she's a star and he's a kosher butcher. I guess it's all who you know. And really, like, like, hyping it up and talking like, oh, it's, yeah, you're gonna have a drag performer on here, but you've previously talked about, like, that said performer as a person. So I would assume that you're going to treat them as a person yeah. and you're not. No. Um, there's also like, I should highlight like the, that very end bit with the cab stuff. It is also additionally worrisome because it's like, to some extent you were having the, so the whole scene with the, the taxi at the very end takes place at night as well. And it's just on a random street corner. And it's like, this is also, um, I was worried they ended up not doing it, but I would not be surprised if there was maybe another uh, edit of this about sex workers and particularly trans sex workers. Yeah. And even just then, like being a 
uh, a trans person out at night being refused a ride and the implications of that, the implications of safety, like, it just, the, I was really, again, I think this is like the fourth or fifth time we've done this since the show started. I was really, really enjoying the show. And then in the last two minutes, it shits on two groups of people who do not uh, deserve to be shat on. And it shits on them on the basis of they exist. Yeah. And, and isn't it, it funny that they exist? And it's something I can kind of feel the energy of how much, as we spoke earlier, of like they're really leaning into the I love Lucy thing of it. Yeah. And this feels like them being like, oh, but I love Lucy couldn't do this. And they're 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 really cutting themselves on that edge. Yeah. I remember uh, when The Nanny first came back to HBO Max and there was an article, and I think maybe you shared it with me, Mandy, uh, that kind of dropped, I want to say like a month or two after the show came back to HBO Max, about about how The Nanny still holds up and how it's still timeless and how Fran is still the perfect role model and how as a show, like, you could make this show today. And then every so often the show reminds me that actually that's not true. Yeah, and I think that to some extent that is a main thing of the 90s and some of that, like, I do want to go back to, there is some amount of terminology. There's some worrying of, of things that, I mean, they weren't okay at any uh, point, but were more accepted and more of, like, the norm. And I think particularly the terminology that they end up using here was kind of the word. Yeah, it was um, a word that I think was used within the community. It is a word that was used in Rocky Horror Picture Show, just like, you know, yeah. 10, 15 years earlier. Um like, that was the word. So it wasn't used with any mouse. There's a lot of this. So I feel like there would be an extent of particularly thin queer people would be like, no, this episode is fine. And that's why I really want to hammer in. It is the fat phobia yeah. that makes the queer phobia exist. Yeah. It exacerbates something that, had it been had it been on its own, maybe wouldn't necessarily have been as much of an issue because this show was a product of its time. Yeah, where it's it would seem as a sincere thing, but it is because it is a fat body performing gender, that is the thing that is uh that we can dehumanize them for. Yeah. Whereas I think if it were a thin body performing gender, that they wouldn't have done that. Yeah. But it is they specifically lampshade, oh, this is a fat body performing gender. So to close things off, Chester Methfield is in the kitchen lecturing Fran on the dangers of idle female gossip. You may remember part of the super text of this episode with Tim and Eric dancing in the corner of the screen is women can't be trusted. Women cannot be trusted because they, uh, they, they love idle gossip too much. And what should happen? Or Chester Methfield has also been idly gossiping and got him in trouble. How did that happen, Mandy? Uh, so the way that we learn this is some rich guy, you know, he's a rich guy because he's wearing a suit and his hair slicked back. He comes in, but like, I'm taking that parrot back. And like, what are you talking about? I'm like, I'm the, the dad of the kid that gave away this parrot and I'm taking the parrot back. It's like, why are you taking the parrot back? And be like, because everyone already knows about my sordid affairs. They also know that Cher was here. Like, oh, you revealed that Cher was here. He was like, yeah, because Chester Meffield, you revealed that I oh, had a secret girlfriend in Trump Tower. Because <laughs> we need, again, we need to know that he's rich um, yeah. in a piece of shit. That two birds. <laughs> <laughs> but we also find out that the reason that he knew that Cher was there is because Chester Meffield was just talking about it at the sauna. Yeah. And that is uh, the the actual end, except for the the bit that we the have bit, previously yeah. talked about. Um, but that's like freeze on Chester Meffield's embarrassed face because oh hey, gossip crosses all gender lines. Gossip is on a spectrum. I know it's gossip girl, but at the end, gossip girl was Dan all along. So yeah. spoilers for gossip girl, I guess. So I guess the big question is, did you like this episode? This is so fucking difficult yeah. because I really enjoyed this episode before uh, the bit. And I, 
I know it is easy for me, again, I am not the person being mocked. So it is easy for me to push aside what they did at the end of they're like, oh, that's just a little last, but like, yeah, that's uncomfortable. But it's easy for me to push that aside because I am not the target of the malice. And again, I keep coming back to this where I feel like thin queer people, it's easy for thin queer people to be like, Oh, it's fine. It was just the 90s. And really, they were, uh, they were being helpful. They hired an actual drag queen to do it. And be like, it's the, it's the fat phobia. It is yeah. the fat phobia, though. And you can't say, oh, it was the 90s because of the fat phobia, because we are just as fat phobic now. We have not really had a reckoning on that. Yeah, it's, for me, the last two, three minutes just kind of undermines everything i enjoyed about the 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 other 21 minutes of this episode like it it really does especially when when you see fran talking so fondly and so positively about cousin ira earlier in the episode and then the show makes cousin ira the butt of like three jokes in the last two minutes it just it just it colors everything i i think i would have liked this episode if it ended differently yeah and it also betrays the, as we were talking about, like, it is a, has a very I Love Lucy vibe. Yeah. And it betrays everything because it feels like the point of them going so I Love Lucy is they could go, but this is I Love Lucy in the 90s where we have drag queens and we fat shame them. Yeah, it comes across as an episode of I Love Lucy that's trying to be three edgy, five you. And uh, I, it, it, for me, it just topples the whole thing down. I, I do not like this episode. Yeah, it's you could have just, it's okay to just be I Love Lucy. We've had other episodes that were just I Love Lucy. It's fine. You don't need to prove uh, how edgy in 90s you are. You can just be I Love Lucy. What are we watching next episode? Next episode is Kindervelt Days. After asking Maxwell to take her to a summer camp reunion, Fran learns she'll be going with Eric Estrada. Morgan Brittany also guest stars. Ooh. ooh. ooh Eric Estrada from Chips, I think? I never saw Chips. I've, I've no idea, but we will find out. And uh, hopefully uh, they'll keep the mouths a little more shut this time. It's, it's one of those things that sucks. Because again, it's just seeing on there of like, oh, you hired actual drag queens. You hired an actual you went share, to share impersonator. Those steps. That, that's huge. Yeah, like there is clearly, and again, we want to reiterate with the knowledge that we know now that the show was partially created by a queer person who was closeted at the time. Yeah. So there is a certain level of like being adjacent to queerness that. I feel it comes across in this episode, like throughout all the episodes and it comes across in this episode, but it's, it sure is. You very much are a cis, queer, white, very thin man. Yeah. Well, maybe it picks up next week. In the meantime, uh, we will be here next time with another episode of Out and Her Family. Thank you very much for listening to this one. If you like the show, if you like what we do, do please consider telling your friends and family. Itty bitty independent podcasts like ours live and die by word of mouth. We would certainly appreciate yours. Uh, you can find us on social media. We are out on her fanny on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, uh, not Tumblr. <laughs> <laughs> kind of on Tumblr. Kind of on Tumblr. I do also like with the little, little itty baby podcast, like I was like, this is certainly an episode that is difficult, and particularly if you are a fan of the show because we're talking about difficult things. But I feel like that is something important to kind of look back at stuff. Like we said from the beginning, you, uh, what was the purpose? We got to do something with the racist baby. Yeah, you got you got to you got to yell at a racist baby. You got to yell at a racist baby. I feel like it is important to look back on the things like we're not abandoning this. This isn't something where we're like, oh, we can't watch the nanny anymore. Like we're going to continue doing this because it's it already got made. It already happened. Yeah. But the information I hope that we're sharing will help you look more critically at things and moving forward. Ben is someone who creates things. Other people create things. Like when you're creating things, this is the kind of stuff that the the pitfalls to kind of look into yeah i mean when I'm, i talk about jump leads briefly um one of the six episodes of jump leads for the first season which is still in post-production originally started off as 
What if one of the characters gets arrested for just being mean? And with each successive redraft and rewrite, I realized, or Mandy also realized, because Mandy was instrumental in helping with this. Oh, I've accidentally written something that is about cancel culture. And so I scrapped that script entirely. And I think that, you know, if you are making things, you need to be cognizant of what you are making, but also what you have made. Like I would hope that the people involved in this episode of The Nanny would look back on it and go, yeah, I don't think we would do that now. I don't think we would we would have done fat shaming. I think we would have handled the drag queen aspect more uh, thoughtfully. But also being like, don't take that as a way of like, oh, and you can't have a drag yeah. queen in there. Like, oh, we just wouldn't have hired the drag queens. Like, no, no the drag queen is the best part yeah. of this. You have this person, you just don't, like, you literally just needed to keep your mouth shut for three lines literally three lines change this from being an amazing episode to being this an episode that i cannot recommend to anyone and i feel like that is the information that if you are a creative person you should know going forward of hey is it really worth it is it really worth uh your little bit to fully dehumanize uh people yeah Anyway, uh, Mandy, where can people find you on social media? Uh, you can find me at Mandy Quesadilla. I am on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And I am at Ben Padden. I am on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook also. You can also find us on our website. The website is oofcast.com. That's O-O-H-F-Cast.com. Um, is there anything else? Is there anything I usually say at this point? No, it's, we don't really have any like things going on. I mean, I'm going to be doing stand-up at the Eagle, the uh, leather bar in Hollywood on June the 1st. Speaking of queerness. Yeah. Um, So if you are in the Los Angeles area, keep an eye on me. Hopefully at this point, I've already posted the flyer to my Instagram. But uh, if you're in the LA area, you want to see me and a bunch of other people do stand-up comedy in a uh, gay leather bar. That, that's for you fantastic if it's not for you that's fine too but if I if you're in LA and you listen to the show I hope to see you there Mandy did a, Mandy did a thing this weekend uh, yesterday yeah I'd already done a thing yeah. but we didn't know about it when uh, we were making the, the previous episode um, I hope to be doing more things yeah. and then I can uh, tell you about them alright well in the meantime thank you so much for listening to this episode of Out on Her Fanny a podcast about the nanny I've been Ben I've been Mandy and yes we, we do, do know, know it means, means vagina, vagina.